Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books that they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. We recently reviewed Stranger Will by Caleb J. Ross. And for this episode, we have a special treat. Caleb has agreed to spend some time talking books with us. Caleb, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the interest and enough, enough interest to actually have me on. I appreciate that. Thank you for writing a great book and giving us the time. We really appreciate it. Oh. Caleb is the author of Stranger Will, in case you didn't hear the review um, a couple weeks ago, and uh, also of the chapbook Charactered Pieces. Um, he's also got some stuff coming up in the works that we're going to poke him about a little bit later. So uh, I think we could just jump right into the book. Um, we read the synopsis on our show. We kind of told people what we thought Stranger Will is about. Um, how about you tell everybody what it's about? Well, um, it's actually, it, it came about as, uh, it's probably good to explain what it's about by telling a bit of an origin story about it. Um, I uh, I started writing it in college, my, my freshman, sophomore year-ish of college, which was about six years or so ago. And uh, it, it was it was sort of a reaction. At the time, you know, I went to college, and, and college to me was was supposed to be this time where students could change the world. That was basically the, the mindset that I was um, led up to believe. And when I got there, it was sort of in the heat of the whole Middle East situation and uh, and you know, you'd see protesters or I'd see protesters all the time, people just uh, try, trying to voice their opinions, trying to get things done, and and it never seemed to work. So I, I sort of developed a, a mindset of apathy during that time where I just kind of, as long as I could learn to accept something, that something unchangeable, then I could maybe be happy with it if it becomes a part of me instead of trying to fight against it sort of thing. And that's kind of what came about through uh that's kind of what spawns stranger will really because it is a story where a guy has to learn to accept that he's incapable of of really changing something um and and in a strange way as depressing and and terrible as that sounds in a strange way i think i look at stranger will as a bit of an optimistic book because he is able to learn to be apathetic um and and not surprisingly also the book was uh, definitely a response to my fears um, of one day becoming a father. When I wrote Stranger Will, I think it's important I, I let everyone know that that I had had no kids at the time and uh, and I had no uh, desire to have kids at the time. So um, now I do have I do have a little boy, but uh, but at the time I did not have any kids and and there was a fear in that um, and that's kind of uh, another aspect to to how Stranger Will was born. Well, now that you've had some time to settle into parenthood, what if anything would you expand on, change, delete? about the story, if anything? You know, I don't think I would change anything. Um, I look at it, it's definitely a book I could never, ever write again. Um, and I look at it as almost almost journalistic in a sense, not to say that I believe word for word everything that's written in there, but to say that it does represent a time and a mindset in my life that, you know, I have to accept. Uh, I guess I have to be, be William in that sense. I kind of have to accept that it's happened and, and not really try to delve into it and go back and change it all. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to Steven Spielberg ET it ever. So, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, a, a book that, that I couldn't write again. And, and I, that's why I'm glad I did write it at the time that I wrote it. Great. Uh, so one thing I was curious about is I'm seeing, uh, on Twitter and kind of just around a lot of, uh, very, very positive feedback. The feedback I'm seeing is very positive about stranger. Will. So, um, like a lot of kind of an indie ground swell is how I refer to it. Uh, so my question is, what are your hopes or goals for Stranger Will and your your writing in general? I'd love to uh, I'd love to to 
get it out there. You know, it's it's funny that you do say that there's a bit of a groundswell, and it, it's it's interesting when uh when Charactered Pieces was released, I could probably safely know probably. N- 80% of the people who bought that book, I knew in some way, personally, you know, one or two steps removed. <laughs> and with Stranger Will, there's a lot of people I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's a much bigger book and it has a much wider distribution. And and there's a lot of people, obviously, that I don't know. And so I'm getting actual strangers that are telling me about it. You guys included up until recently, you know, you were strangers. So it's a uh, it's it's great to know that that it's getting out there, and and my ultimate goal is for it to just keep getting out there. You know, it's surprisingly enough, it hasn't really received too many, uh, too much negative criticism, um, honestly, which kind of surprised me. In a way, it almost, it's almost deflating. You know, it's kind of a book where I want people to be a little bit upset, <laughs> but uh, but I haven't got that yet. So I don't know. Maybe it'll hit the uh, right parenthetical wrong um, crowd out there, and then I'll be able to uh, to to fight against it and, and leverage that for, for my own self-promotion, I guess. <laughs> it's funny because that actually takes care of my next question, which I was sure at some point you would have gotten some <laughs> negative feedback on the comments or, you know, on the content or premise of the book, but it's good to hear that you didn't. I mean, I really liked it the way it was. And, um, you know, as, as we had said in the review before, it was just, it felt like a very honest story where you weren't trying to spare anybody's feelings either with content or prose. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and you'd mentioned something in the review um, that I... I just I just loved that you had that you had picked up on it, and I think it was you, Olivius, that picked up on it. Was um, that um, that it, it was as, almost as though I I I put myself up. I I, I brought as many things to the book, uh, dug myself a hole. I think it was was what you had said. <laughs> um, dug myself a hole with it to uh, to to see if I could even dig myself out of it. And that's exactly that's really exactly how it happened. You know, I I figured if I'm going to write it, I might as well. I, I love writing in general. I love it when I put myself in a position and my characters in a position that it's going to be really, really hard to get them out because I know that that's going to be a fun book to read. You know, if, you, if on the first page you know enough from the first page to know everything that's going to happen, then one, you've you're, you've probably you're probably either reading you know a, a, a factory fiction genre. Not not I don't want to say genre. That's negative connotation there. But uh, <laughs> but just a factory fiction type mm-hmm. of book or you 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 read way way too much and you should probably go outside we, we um yeah we currently we commonly refer to that as james patterson and whoever yeah, he's writing go. with so yeah that's <laughs> um, i understand that so kind of talking about that um uh one of the questions i had was uh what what would you say the main influences on your writing style because i read a little bit um about your hit uh your history in college and stuff it didn't seem like you originally set out to be a writer if i'm if i'm correct about that so what uh once that kicked in what do you think uh, are the big influences on you uh yeah you're you're right i never ever ever considered being a writer all the way up even halfway through college didn't didn't even consider it you know um and it was it, it like so so for me the first books that i were really that i was really introduced to and the first books that i actually really read were the academic um, read this because you have to kind of books, which luckily for me, because those are the first books I read and those are the books I fell in love with, those then became the books that fuel my writing and I think my writing's better for it. Not to say that had I grown up and read 
um, you know, read uh, uh, Goosebumps books my whole life or something that wouldn't have informed my writing as well. But it, in in a sense, you know, reading things like uh, like a lot of short fiction, um, my favorite short story of all time um, probably has influenced my writing more than anything else. It's called The Blue Bouquet by uh, by Octavio Paz, and he he hasn't read. I think he's only written really a handful of stories. He's mostly known as a poet, I think. But uh, mm-hmm. but it's a story that just just it's it's seeped in what's called magical realism, which is just this idea that anything can happen, but those crazy things that happen are really treated as everyday occurrences. Um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez is another writer who's who's big into that. Uh, a little bit of Jorge Luis Borges as well, um, and not surprisingly, a lot of these are South American authors. That's kind of where it was born, I think. And. And uh, even me talking right now, I'm sitting here being academic about it. So that proves that, that <laughs> just me—it was me being in an academic environment that kind of spawned my writing. And I and I think that's probably where a lot of my writing influences were taken as well. Great. And uh, kind of tagging onto that thought was uh, another question I had: is uh, do you have any kind of specific ritual for writing or even reading? Like uh, for me, reading books and stuff, I'll you know, grab a latte and, you know, something sweet to eat and I'll sit in a nice comfy chair and get my Kindle out and everything. So, uh, do you have any kind of specific rituals for writing or reading? Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I, you know, my favorite thing to do uh, to read, I have a hammock out in my backyard that I sit in and I'll have a cigar, or just kind of drink a beer or something and, and read in that for as long as I can. And that's, that's <laughs> heaven to me. That's so fun. And it's so great. I just love it so much. And, and uh, but I can read pretty much anywhere if I have to, but I'd prefer in the hammock outside. Um, and then uh, and, and as for writing, though, really, I, I have I have to kind of whittle out time where I have it. And for the most part, what I'll, I won't sit down to write until I have at least a few sentences in my head. So I'll go for walks a lot of times. I'll, I'll you know, I'm, not, I'm in line at the store. I'll be thinking about the sentence, one sentence, two sentences. And by the time I sit down, those two sentences easily become 10, become 15, become a page. And really, when I hit about a page, two pages, I'm, I'm done for the day. I, I can't really, I'm not a marathon. You know, Wilkers for Barry famously <laughs> goes under. You know, he'll just write for two weeks out of the year, and but he'll do nothing but write for those two weeks and drink coffee. I, I can't do that. I've tried, and it's, it's a sad, sad situation. Great. You, you've embarked on this huge internet tour for Stranger Will. I'm not sure how many stops are listed on there, but it's got to be 80, 90 plus. Um, what have you learned about self-promoting, and do you have any advice to offer for others, other writers that are doing the same thing? Oh, man, uh, it's it's a time suck for sure, but uh, but it's, it's, I don't know, I guess the, I, what I've learned really most about it is that you have to you have to be genuine about it, and you basically have to leverage whatever your actual personal interests are leverage that into some sort of self-promotion don't force just because everyone releases press releases just because everyone else um you know uh, uh buys ad space or something like that if, if that doesn't suit you if you don't want to do that don't do it just find something you love and leverage that so for me i've always written blogs you know for a few years i have anyway it's always been fun to me i love throwing out a few paragraphs on a thought or idea i've had put it out there see if anyone comments on it i just love doing that so i figured why not do that and 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 give those those articles, give those things to other other bloggers? And at the same time, the the promotional part comes from because i'm I'm tapping into an entirely new uh, circle of readers that may have never heard of me. But now, since they're reading someone's blog, they'll see my name and that and that works out. So it's definitely um 
it's definitely time consuming the way I've done it. I mean, there's probably quicker ways and better ways to do it. You know, um, taking out ad space might be a, an easier, better, faster, uh, cheaper way, honestly. But, uh, <laughs> but, but for this, it's just something I really enjoy. So you just got to pick something you really enjoy and find a way to creatively make that um, advertising. You have to be genuine about it because people people can smell bullshit. So they're not gonna, <laughs> you know, they they know when you're gonna sell something, and uh, and so you've got to you got to subvert subvert that a little bit. So you go for kind of a more community angle, which I think has authenticity to it, um, because you're not just selling a product. You're kind of, I guess, getting to know people and stuff. So uh, that uh, I like that a lot. If that's if I understand what you're saying, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. It's it's a matter like, you know, I, I read somewhere that that the novel is is basically a a an extended conversation, and it's really mm-hmm. sort of the only form, um, of of it's only the only creative form that really is an ex, a, 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 a two way extended conversation, um, and uh, and the whole point of a book or the whole point of a novel is to have is to build community, is to build. Um, share some ideas, uh, have that extended conversation. And really, I see blogging and, and just social networking in general as a natural extension to that, just just in shorter bursts. It's all about you have this idea that you've thought a lot about. You want to throw it out there. You want to see how people react to it. Um, you know, other art, other forms, if you look at uh, um, uh, poetry, for example, it's not too much about uh, communication. There's not – it's 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 mostly about um, – uh, uh, putting an image out there or putting a feeling out there and trying to connect maybe on an emotional level rather than an intellectual level. And then you've got things like painting, for example, which is similar to poetry, except it's visual. So it's for the visual people rather than the, than the, uh, uh, uh thinking oriented people, I guess that, that sounds bad, but I think, I think your <laughs> listeners will know what I'm talking about. So, so there's different reasons for different methods. And I think the novel's just a, it's a very specific communication type of method. And that's, that's why I, I love, I love it so much. That's, that's a, funny because uh, – go ahead, Rob. I was going to say that's a very warm way of thinking about it is uh, a novel being more of like a – yeah, like a conversation as opposed to like an exhibition. Mm-hmm. That's funny because as you were saying it, as you were describing poetry, I was thinking, you know, you're right. It's kind of like a painting. It's like you look at it and you appreciate it for its beauty and what it is and then you relate it right to painting. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as social media goes, I was actually reading an article that was linked by Stephen Hall, by the author Stephen Hall on Twitter um, last week, and I don't remember whose article it was, but he had talked about the future of ebooks being where each individual book is its own social community. So think um, you open up, uh, you know, Stranger Will, and at the end of every um, chapter is a link where you can go and discuss with people who are currently in the same spot as you, you know, it'll take you right to a chat room. And I'm thinking with iPads and tablets, um, it's probably not that far off that we're going to see something very similar to that, where each book becomes its own individual community instead of just a group of like-minded fans. People who are actually reading a book will be able to communicate with one another in a forum or chat type posting at different um, times throughout the book. I'd love that. You know, it has its good and it's bad. You know, I think uh, Stephen Elliott's another author who's kind of he, – he's done a little bit like that. He's he's a really progressive author in that sense, and he actually built an app around one of his books. I think it was the Adderall Diaries that he built it around, and it was an app specifically for the book, and it allowed you to highlight passages, comment on passages, tweet passages – um, and really be involved in the book in that sense. I don't, I don't know how well it did. It got a lot of press for what it did, but as far as how, how the readers actually engaged with it, I, I don't know. I wish I did know because I'd love to see more of that happening. And I think, mm-hmm. the, uh, I don't know if it's the current generation of Kindle or maybe the next one that is actually going to be integrating um, 
uh, shareability, you know, highlight passages, share passages, that sort of thing. And, you know, it's nice. I, I hope that there's a, a, a way to turn that off as well, though, because it's, it's, <laughs> it kind of cuts away from that extended conversation if you're forced to, uh, if, if you're constantly reminded, hey, don't forget to talk about this elsewhere. Sometimes people want to gather their thoughts and talk about it afterwards, you know, so. The current generation, interestingly enough, um, allows you to share passages on their website that you've highlighted um, with optional links to Twitter. Um, but what it does do, which is kind of interesting, and I wish I would have marked it down because in your book, um, I came across a couple of what are called frequently bookmarked passages. So apparently the Kindle will upload if enough people bookmark the, or um, highlight the same passage, you'll actually see what passages of interest are to other people. Oh, that's very cool. So it's kind of neat. I believe it was one or two in um, in Stranger Will that popped up on my screen is already highlighted. And then, of course, I, you know, it's my first book I read on a Kindle. I just switched over <laughs> from Sony and the passing. What is this? And it said um, frequently highlighted. And I think it had three was the number of uh, on the one particular passage when I first had to figure out what it was. That's awesome. Did you, did you find much difference between the, the Sony and the Kindle as far as usability or, or interaction the new, at all? The new Kindle... Um, kind of a snob when it comes to this. I'm not much for entering a lot of information on the Kindle. The Kindle is much, much crisper, at least than my last generation Sony that I had. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, space taken up there by a keyboard that I just like to see more book oh, than keyboard, and yeah. that's kind of my issue with it. But it's, you know, it's really affordable. The test, the, excuse me, the text is very, very crisp, and I mean, it's super lightning fast and turning pages, so I'm overall very, very happy with the Kindle. Good, good. I'm an all-time I don't have it myself yet. Are you? Yeah. I've had, I, in, in, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just saying I've had a Kindle for a couple of years, and Livius has given me endless crap about it for whatever reason. But the keyboard, I swear, has never, ever bothered me even once. <laughs> I, you know, I, I still haven't I got gotten to the e-reader thing yet. Um, and, you know, I, I love the fact that they exist, and I really want one. But for some reason, I'm holding out, and I don't know what it is. I, you know, I think it's nostalgia is, is holding <laughs> me back. And, you know, I... I know that it's strange. I think it was um, uh, Stephen Graham Jones. He was talking about the idea of, uh, well, on the Velvet, we were actually all kind of, I just think, complaining about the idea of of future generations not being able to enjoy things like the feel of the paper and the smell of the paper and those kind of those kind of associations that we that we as readers love. And uh, and he said, you know, well, actually, you got to think about the future generations will still have associations with reading. It just won't be paper and the smell. It'll be you know, the, the look of the page as it flashes by or the smell of the of the plastic or the electricity. I mean, they'll still have those associations and they'll still remember those fondly. It just won't be the same memories we have. You know, I think about a Game Boy and the way that it looked and smelled and, and <laughs> that, that's chi that's childhood to me. But, you know, and I'm sure my grandparents would think that's crazy. So it's there. It, I'm just I'm just scared of it, I think. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I had kind of the same feeling of being an avid reader since I was a child. Um, well, it took me all of two books to be convinced that e-readers were, really? were, were the way to go. You know, it's you can carry around 40 books in, you know, like a cargo pants pocket. And it's very cool. To go back a little bit, I know I mentioned Stephen Hall recently, another little blog of his I read. Um, his thought on it was that there's still going to be people who collect books. And the interesting thing is he was kind of making a plea to publishers is, you know what, we'll pay you $20 for the hardcover book, but give us a free digital edition. We don't have to open up our collectible. We can read it digitally if we'd like. And there's zero cost to the publisher to do that. So maybe that's mm -hmm. something we may see in the future where they're packaged together for the person who does want the paper copy. I'd love that, man. I'd love that. They, I, I've always thought, why not? Why don't they just have a barcode or a number on a receipt? When you go into a bookstore, buy a book, 
a barcode on the receipt. If you want to spend an extra dollar to get the get the ebook version or whatever, then you go online, enter that code, and there you have it. I, I don't know why that hasn't happened. It seems like a simple idea, but <laughs> well, one and, day. And DVDs have done this already a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now our Blu-rays are coming prepackaged with a digital copy. So mm-hmm. it's just and if you buy a vinyl record, you know, for the nostalgic purposes, you usually get, I would say 100% of the time, you get a, an MP3 or some kind of code to download the digital po- files as well. So. It's out there. I don't know what what's taken the publishing industry so long. <clears throat> to kind of take a different approach of the whole thinking of books versus uh, ebooks and stuff like that is, I kind of see it as an opportunity to free up my bookshelf um, yeah. from books that I read, but I don't really have like a, a huge sentimental attachment to. And then now my bookshelf can just be solely the books that like it's the authors I really care about or anything or the editions that I think are really special and not piled in with a bunch of other crap so Rob recently came to this conclusion because he's going to be moving and doesn't want to move 500 (laughs) books with him so Uh, that'll do it (laughs) I tried to look Um, noble Um, I believe (laughs) I'm just lazy (laughs) yeah exactly Livius will waste no opportunity to bring me down that's correct (laughs) So, Caleb, I believe your next print appearance is going to be in Warmed and Bound alongside um, Craig Clevenger and Stephen Graham Jones, who you just mentioned recently. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that project came together? Uh, we, you know, as you, as you probably know, the Velvet is a, is a writing community, a writing and reading community that kind of um, revolves around three main authors, Will Christopher Bear, Stephen Graham Jones, and Craig Clevenger. But it has kind of grown to become something more, something just a hub of people who like, you know, I guess noir, horror, um, uh, just darker kind of, I would say, intellectual fiction as well, because a lot of the stuff we read is very smart and we talk about it a lot. So it's sort of just a, a nerd hub of, of readers. And, and we and we uh, we for a, for a while, you know, I've been a, I've been a, a member on there for for a few years and there's always been sort of talk of of the velvet putting out something putting out a collection putting out novels just doing something and really out of nowhere um one of the one of the main guys over there logan he just kind of said hey we're going to put together a collection let's do it right let's talk with some authors that we built relationships with and see if they want to contribute and that's really how it happened i mean it really we were we were all i think aware enough of the fact that not enough people know the basic members as writers enough for the book to really mean anything other than to us. So we, but because a lot of us have been in, in the industry for a little while, even though, you know, we're low rungs on the ladder, we've been in the industry for a little while. We've known people, we've made some connections that help getting authors to contribute. So you mentioned uh, Craig Clevenger and you mentioned Stephen Graham Jones. They were obviously, you know, they were shoe-ins, the forms built around them, but we have people like um, like Blake Butler and and Brian Evanson, who's my, he's like my writing god. Um, and we just have, we have a, a lot uh, more than I could, I could just rattle off here for sure. But it's a, it's a big book. It's a great, great looking book. And I cannot wait to read the rest of the stories. I've read mine and uh, Brian Evanson's, and that's it. So I'm. It's going to be new for me, and and I I absolutely can't wait. Um, we're very excited about it as well. Um, I've been a lurker on the Velvet for probably three or four years now, and that's where a lot of my right or sorry, right, a lot of my reading suggestions um, come from. How did you guys not get Bear on this? Has he gone just completely off the map, or? <laughs> I wish I had God. I wish I had some information for you on that. He is he's 
I don't know where he is. You know, honestly, he could be dead for all I know. Um, but uh, but and even the even the um, what what the higher ups in the forum um, as they they really don't know what's kind of going on with him either. You know, there was the last we really heard was there was some uh, there was some internal um, issues. I guess would be the the blandest way to put it regarding him and his former publisher that kind of prevented uh, his, his his book Godspeed from coming out. Either he wasn't he wasn't happy with it or the publisher uh couldn't publish it for whatever reason but since that happened is when he's kind of fallen you know into the dark side i guess and and we really haven't haven't found him or haven't really uh, uh talked with him at all so gosh if he could i i almost wanted to just uh just write a piece and say it's by will chris bear <laughs> and just to use that as a pseudonym and write something just to see just to just to at least round it out a little bit. Maybe instead of getting three out of three, we could have 2.7 out of three, maybe 2.1 out of three. So, but it didn't work. While we're on the subject of the velvet. Um, and I, I apologize. I tried to find this. I, I know that you are on every single velvet podcast. So I'm going to assume that, that that's your baby there. It, it was, it's, it's kind of my baby. Yeah. Um, I, it's surprisingly enough. There's not too many podcast listeners on the velvet that I know of. And, I just I love them. I listen to them every night when I go to bed. I kind of listen to a handful of podcasts as I'm kind of drifting to, drifting to sleep, and so I've always kind of loved the format and loved the idea. Um, and uh, Gordon Highland, who's a great great writer, he's Flash on the Velvet. Um, he is he's kind of an audiophile. He knows his way around audio, so he contributed a lot to sort of giving us the final bit of motivation we needed to finally get together and just record something and and uh and and yeah it's it's been my baby you know i've actually been spending more time on that than the actual velvet boards themselves um i i try to record uh we try to do something at least once or twice a month it's been quite a quite a window since we've last recorded um i'm actually going to be meeting up with brandon teats who's another uh author he lives here in the kansas city area and we're going to meet up and try to record something live, maybe a half an hour or so, something, and, and get that out. But I take the uh, I take the recording to I go to the AWP conference every year, which is this massive collection of 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 of, of writers that just kind of uh, gather and and talk about the writing and talk about books, and it's kind of academic focused. But you know, I'm nerdy enough to enjoy that kind of thing. So uh, it, it, we get together and 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 we record. Um, at that at that AWP conference as much as much as we can, and I think I got maybe three episodes out of that uh, out of a short like three day conference. So that that's kind of where the meat of it comes from. But uh, but yeah, we we need to start doing that more often. Um, I've listened to probably not all of them, but about half of the podcasts, um, more so when they first came out, and it was just a very interesting format. And you guys really approach not just. <laughs> I don't know, say this, it's not just, you know, like ours is mainly a book review. I mean, you guys do a lot of great stuff from the writing standpoint, too, that I think would be inspirational to people who are looking to write. So I'm a somewhat fan of the podcast. I like it. I just haven't gotten around to listening to all of them. But I think you guys do a great job with it. I oh, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Want to tell us a little bit about your next novel, I Didn't Mean to Be Kevin? That is a novel that uh, um, sort of came about as well here it's it's about a it's about a 20 something boy i guess for lack of a better term in the context of this novel he's definitely a boy he doesn't have a mother um him and his mother had a falling out a few years ago he's kind of on his own and he befriends a a another person of similar age um at a laundromat and this person is as also his mother left him a few years ago so they're two motherless boys hanging out at a laundromat one um, his name is Craig. He 
watches soap operas all day, uh, Mexican soap operas all day, because he, his mother told him years and years ago that she was going to run off to Mexico to become a soap opera star. And so he watches these, 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 uh, you know, these daytime uh, uh, telenovela type of, type of shows trying to find her. Um, so he has this desperate connection, wanting to make this connection, whereas the other, um, his name is Jackson. He doesn't care too much about his mother, or so he says. Um, and basically the impetus of the novel is that, is that the, the Jackson finds a, a hidden want ad in a newspaper mother saying it's a plea to her son to return home. Her son's run away. Please come home. He calls her, pretends to be the son. And basically embarks on this on this cross country uh, trip to meet her and see her. All the while, going crazy, uh, talking about you know trying to validate himself to strangers, kind of the way that he's ultimately trying to validate himself uh, to his mother or this mother that he wants. And in the name Kevin, that's actually the name of the mother's son. So the title "I Didn't Mean to Be Kevin" is basically "I Didn't Mean to Become This Mother's Son," but that's basically what happens throughout the novel. So it's it's funnier. Um, than Stranger Will for sure, not as dark as Stranger <laughs> Will for sure. Um, it's almost a, it's almost an exact um, opposite to Stranger Will. Stranger Will was they they both deal with parenthood, parent parent connections. Stranger Will was I don't want to be a parent. Uh, uh, you know, keep parenthood away from me. Um, and and I didn't mean to be Kevin is basically I want a parent. Please parent come to me. So it's this it's this I, I dug my hole with Stranger Will and I thought I've done that. Now I've got to do the exact opposite. I've got to do something crazy different and see if I can dig myself out of that as well. So well, I'm sure that'll be getting the booked treatment in November, I believe it is. Is that when you're out with that? I think so. I think it's November. Yeah, I would I would be honored. <laughs> All right. Um to hit you with kind of just a random question. I see uh just from looking on your website and stuff, uh a lot of a lot of, at least from my perspective, a lot of activities of things that you are, in, are involved in listed on your website. So outside of writing, uh, what kind of keeps you busy or whatever, if there's something you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I, you know, and I don't know if this is the website I try to make a hub of everything I do. So although it looks impressive just by the sheer amount of stuff there, there <laughs> that's really, that's really it. I mean, there's not, there's nothing hidden or outside. So I'm kind of a, uh, a, a hoarder like that, I guess, an information hoarder. Um, I, you know, and in my spare time, I, I'm really involved in in uh, like technical nerdy kind of stuff. You know, I, I I do some work as as an as a SEO, a search engine optimization person. I do some work there and and uh, and and help people out. You know, in their Google rankings and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where my mind is at most of the day. Um, and I think then, we need uh, and we then, need your help then. <laughs> I can definitely definitely help you out. I've got I've got some definite pointers, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what I do, and and it's uh, it, it's fun. So I do that for for a good portion of the day, and then write for the rest of it, and uh, and that's really about it. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of I, I I like to go to the bar. The 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 dirtier and divier the better, and uh, I like to uh, hang out with my family. That's that's about it. I wish Great. I could I wish I could tell you that I that I drink drink lots of whiskey and dr- and do drugs and, and and beat up strangers but uh not yet maybe maybe for my golden years well that only ever sounds glamorous i think <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> um so on your next trip out to the hammock what book is going to be in your hand i'm actually finishing up wow this is going to be wow this is really going to solidify my nerd cred um I'm actually in the middle of reading a book called In the Plex, which is a basically a biography of Google. 
Um, that is embarrassing to say out loud, but that's that's <laughs> what's in my hands. Um, and then also in the middle of that, though, I am I am reading um, a a book by Jose Saramago. It's uh, it's spelled like Jose Saramago, but if anyone's looking it up, it's it's um, Jose Saramago and. He he died a few years ago, but he he's a guy who has written countless novels. His most famous was probably Blindness, uh, Blindness. Yeah, that's what it's called. And it was the movie was made about it uh, fifteen or so years ago. And uh, he's he's a, he's this writer. He's my he's probably my my all time favorite writer. And I, there's only three books of his that I haven't read, so I'm savoring them. I take them very slowly. And uh, this one it's called Death with Interruptions is what I'm reading right now. And it's uh. You know he he's he's a hard writer to explain. He he sh- his writing should be very very boring because it's all run on sentences, very little punctuation, no oh, quotation God. marks around. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But for some reason, he can do it. He makes it work, and he he knows what he's doing, and he's very good about it. And his books aren't short. I mean, they're not short novels. I don't know how he does it, and that's I think why I read him. I want to f- I want to figure him out. He's I would highly recommend Blindness if you haven't read it, but. It, it, don't flip through it because you you'll look at it you'll see a bunch of block text and you'll say no this I'm not I'm not gonna touch this but it's it's good I promise you if it's not I'll I'll send you a beer. <laughs> we we reviewed uh, David Foster Wallace the Pale King a few episodes ago mm-hmm. and uh, we went a big split on that and I wanted to go out and buy a gun just so I could make the <laughs> statement that I, I want to eat my gun as I was reading literally three and four pages without a period or anything, one paragraph, one sentence, um, you know, three or four pages. So it's a little more Rob's thing than it is mine. <laughs> well, maybe he can read it and, uh, and, and, and get you to, 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 to read it, you know, based off of his glowing recommendations. Just, he, just don't tell him it's nonfiction, I guess. Right? Yeah, he, he only ever recommends Vonnegut. That's the only thing you'll ever get. <laughs> you know, I've, I've picked up on that. You know, I, I've listened to all of your episodes since, uh, since Chris Dwyer's uh, book. And I, I picked up on that, which, you know, there's worse writers to, to love, I guess. So I, I can't, I can't fault you. It's uh all right, I'm not going to comment on that. It's a sickness. <laughs> well, to be fair, Olivia's always recommends Will Christopher Bear, so everybody's got their uh, their kind of go-to. Mm-hmm. Those are both great. There's no harm in any of those. There, Caleb. Before we let you go, anything for the listeners? Um, I don't think so. Well, I'll just I'll just quickly say uh, CalebJRoss.com. They can find everything they'd want about me. And and more, um, way more than they could possibly want to know. So um, definitely check out the Velvet too. And and obviously they know about booked podcasts, so I don't need to promote that. But uh, you hit those three sites, and I think you're going to be doing better than than most readers out there. Thank you so much again for taking the time to uh, to sit down and talk to us for a little bit. We appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it. And the best of luck to you in the future, Caleb. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks. a lot. Okay, once again, that was Caleb Ross. Really glad we could have him on, and uh, that was a lot of fun for us. Um, if you haven't already, go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. You can pick up Stranger Will either in print or ebook format. I know he mentioned, Caleb mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to give it out again in case you weren't ready to scribble it down. It's calebjross.com. Um, all the information you can need about Caleb Ross is there, including contact information, um, what he's written, what he's working on. It's a very elaborate website. Uh, you can also, um, he mentioned The Velvet quite a bit. That's welcometothevelvet.com. And specifically, if you want to check out Caleb's podcast, it's welcometothevelvet.com slash podcast. If you're deciding maybe you really don't want to buy Stranger Will, here's what Booked wants to do for you. Caleb was generous enough. Um, there is an autographed copy on its way to the Booked Studios. 
along with some special goodies. And he wasn't very specific about what they were, but we're turning that over to you guys, um, as well as two Amazon gift copies of Stranger Will that we're going to be giving away. Um, details will be on the website right below this podcast. If you're listening to it, if you're on iTunes, head over to bookedpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter. I'm sure we'll be tweeting about it um, quite frequently during the giveaway period. As Livia said, uh, details of the contest, how long it's going to run, what you need to do in order to enter are going to be on bookedpodcast.com. Look for a link in the episode of this podcast, or you can also go directly to bookedpodcast.com slash contest. All right, that brings us to the end of a very special interview episode. Um, we liked it so much, we're doing it again. Our next episode will be an interview with Anthony Neal Smith, whose book Hog Doggin um, we just reviewed. Until uh, next time, I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. I sit here all alone.